I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew 12. First of all, we are thrilled that you're here, and I see that there are some here that I did not get an opportunity to speak to beforehand. And I want you to know how thankful we are that you have come to worship the Lord with us and to honor his name. May the Lord's blessings be upon all of us. I also wanted to say that I wanted to uh, thank uh, Karen for teaching the class that Christy and I normally teach last week and Craig and Luke for preaching last week. I do appreciate you asking about my father and particularly your prayers for him. The Lord has been gracious to him and blessed him and uh, he is doing well now and we are thankful that he's in rehab and uh, rehab hospital and things are going as well as they can be and we're thankful for that but i appreciate your prayers i'm confident because of god and his response to prayers that he has been blessed Our text is from Matthew 12, verses 46 through 50. Five verses. This text has parallels in Mark 3 and in Luke 8. Those parallels are pretty exact. But in in Matthew 12, verse 46, while he was still speaking to the crowds... Behold, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. Someone said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hands... Toward his disciples, he said, Behold, my brother, my mother, and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. Now, you probably notice in reading that text that the word mother and the word brothers. Or in verse 50, the case, brother. These words are mentioned in every single verse here. Mother, brother, or brothers. So this is dealing with a family situation. His mother and brothers come to him. The mother and brothers will be mentioned again in the next chapter, at the end of Matthew chapter 13 and verse 53. But this is the last time that Mary appears in the book. She really hasn't done anything since Matthew 1 and 2 that has been recorded. She is mentioned in Matthew 13, but she appears here. Jesus doesn't address her directly and they don't address Jesus. But it it leads to a conversation that Jesus has on this profound subject. But Jesus is speaking to the crowds and his mother and brothers have come. Now we're going to look 
at Mark's gospel in a moment and tell and shed a little bit additional light on, on this scene. But his mother and brothers are standing outside and someone tells him, your mother and brothers are outside waiting to speak. I don't know what their expectations were if they expected Jesus just to stop his address to the crowd and go and speak to his mother and to his brothers uh, or if that was his family's expectation. But Jesus uses this as an opportunity to teach about family. Who is my mother and who are my brothers? He asks the question in verse 48 and he answers it in verses 49 and 50. He stretches out his hand to the disciples and he said, behold my mother, and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Couple of things interesting here. First of all, the phrase, whoever does the will of my Father, is the same phrase from Matthew 7 verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. He makes a little bit of an addition there to his previous thought. He includes the word sister to the words brother and mother. But notice a word he doesn't use. He doesn't use the word father again. He doesn't say, if you do my will, you are my father and mother and brother and sister. It seems like he reserves that picture of the father for God alone. And notice this is stated in a very relational way. Whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Stated in a very relational way that we are submitting and surrendering to our Father. Our Father who is greater than us, who is in heaven. But whoever does that is brother sister and mother whoever does that has Jesus in his family now I want us to make a few points from this text and a couple of them we're going to use this idea of family and look at some other text as well the first point I will acknowledge is not gotten from this text itself. But don't misunderstand that Jesus is not denying that there is a blessing in family. And I'm pulling together some passages from Matthew where he talks about various family relationships. Jesus said, a man shall leave his father and mother. 
and cling to his wife. And they are no longer two, but one flesh. And what God has joined together, man is not to separate. That is stated in talking about the beauty of marriage and God's original design in making man and woman, making two genders to be joined in marriage for a lifetime. The Bible talks right after that of the blessing of children. You may remember that the children were coming to Jesus and Jesus was blessing it and the disciples were angry. And Jesus said, do not prevent them for such is the kingdom of God. They are living illustrations of dependence upon their parents and we are to be dependent upon God in the same kind of way. Now all of these are emphasizing the blessings of the marriage relationship, the blessings of children, the blessings that we have of caring for our parents as they become older. God said, honor your father or mother, Jesus says in Matthew 15, and whoever would uh, do evil to their father and mother shall die. But they were using excuses to get out of their treatment of mother and father or foremother and father. So the Bible emphasizes the blessings of family. And even when Jesus was dying on the cross, he wants to make sure that his mother is cared for. But a point more centrally tied to this context. Family is a blessing. It is a blessing. And a matter of fact, the people that they listen to us most about the gospel of Christ may be the ones right there in our family. Andrew had heard Jesus and he first found his own brother, Peter. And said, we have found him of whom Moses is spoken of in the law. We have found the Messiah. Family may be the ones that are most willing to listen to you speak the gospel. But family can also be an obstacle. And that's presented in the gospel of Matthew. Look at Matthew 8 with me. If you don't remember this passage in Matthew 8, this was a couple of would-be disciples and their encounters with Jesus. And in verse 21, another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. Family? is a blessing. But family may be an obstacle. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew 10, verses 34 through 37. Do not think that I've come to bring peace on earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against his mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies may be those of his own house. And the Gospel of Luke particularly highlights this. You may remember when Jesus 
was 12 years old and they made a trip to Jerusalem for the Passover. The Bible tells us that, that they traveled three days thinking Jesus was with them. When they realize he's not there, they go back and they, they search in Jerusalem and there he is in the temple. And Mary says, did you not know that your father and I were looking for you? And Jesus said, didn't you know that I would be in my father's house? In Luke 11, verses 27 and 28, a person in the crowd cries out, Blessed is the womb that gave you birth. Blessed are the breasts at which you nursed. And Jesus said, on the contrary, blessed are those who hear the word of God and do it. And in Luke 14, when people were invited to a huge banquet and all began to give excuses, remember one used the excuse, I've married a wife and I cannot come. The point is, in context, that shows us that many were rejecting the gospel because of economic reasons. In Luke 14, verses 18 and 19, they were buying a piece of land without looking at it. They were rejecting the gospel for economic reasons and for family. Family can be an obstacle. Now, what does that have to do with any of us? Suppose your son or grandson begins growing immensely in the faith. And takes great strides and is trying to teach everyone he can. And he comes to you when he's 20 and he tells you that he wants to give his life in preaching in Africa, in South America. And you know that you will only see him a few times for the rest of his life and your life. Would we as parents stand in the way of that. I think it's always wise to tell people, consider your decision. Think about all that this involves. But after that, where would we stand? I want to tell you. This touches on each of us and demands of us that our supreme loyalty is to Him. May God help us.
Families are blessed. But family can be an obstacle to serving Him. I have known people and I have talked to them who are, even as Christians, they're turned off by this imagery of God as Father and a family. Because their family life was so painful. Their father, such a failure, and sometimes an aggressive force for evil, that they just don't like that imagery. Now, I know in this audience there are people with vastly different family experiences. I know I had a man came up to me last week. A man that I had known for 40 years and had known him pretty well. And I had known much of his family who are Christians. But he told me something I didn't know. He said, you are so blessed to have a father for whom there's hope. Because he said, I want to tell you I had made several attempts over the years to talk to my father about becoming a Christian. And in the last moments of his life, he looked at me and he said, I'm going to hell. And I don't But I want to tell you, if your family experience is a disaster, you're invited into his family. You're invited into his family. Notice in verse 50 again, whoever. This is an invitation that is open to whosoever will. It is not restricted because you didn't have a good family. It is not restricted to one country of the world. It is not restricted to one group of people. It is open to whoever, whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Those who do God's will or his family, if you have been excluded from family, this is an invitation to God's family. Now there are things like this in the Old Testament. In Psalm 27 verse 10, David said, He's forsaken by mother or father. He knew the Lord would not forsake him. Same kind of language in Isaiah 49 verse 15. A mother might forget her newborn son, but God will not forget us. But I want you to notice how frequently... 
In the Gospels, Jesus speaks of those who do His will and do the Father's will as being His brothers. Look at Matthew 25. Matthew 25 and verse 40. In the picture of this judgment scene. And you remember that Jesus will say to some on His right hand, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. And they will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you a drink? When did we ever see you in this situation and help you? And look at verse 40. Then the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. When we act kindly to our brothers in Christ, when we treat them in this way, we are acting toward Him because we are part of His family, one of these brothers of mine. In Matthew 28 and verse 10, as the Bible records the resurrection of Jesus in Matthew 28 in verse 10, Jesus appeared to those women and they fell at his feet and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And in verse 10, Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee and there they will see me. Go and take word to my brethren. You see the same kind of thing as Jesus speaking to Mary Magdalene in John 20 in verse 17 he says there uh, stop clinging to me for I have not yet ascended to my father but go and tell my brethren and say to them go and say to my brethren now we could look at a couple of passages Romans 8 29 talks about Christians as the first Christ is being the firstborn among many brethren. But let's look at Hebrews 2. Hebrews 2. For the whole point of this passage is this particular word, brother. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11, the Bible says, For both he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified are from one Father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. He who sanctifies, Jesus, those who are sanctified, these brethren and all who follow him, are all from one. We all have one Father. And He is not ashamed to call them brethren. In the next verse, quotes from Psalm 22, verse 22. It's very easy when you read contextually to see what word is highlighted there. See if you can catch it by my tone of speech. Saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. Did you catch anything? In the midst of the congregation, I will sing you praise. The word brother can be used 
flippantly. In a meaningless way. But Jesus doesn't use words that way. For those of you who were abandoned by mother and father. Here is your invitation to a greater family. To those who were blessed with good mothers and fathers. Here is the invitation to a perfect father. Perfect Father. This invitation is open to whoever does the will of God. Whoever does the will of God. We are His family. And what a high privilege that is. A couple of weeks ago, we saw the scribes and Pharisees came to Jesus and they said, give us a sign. And Jesus said, an evil and adulterous generation looks for a sign. And no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, so the Son of Man will be, excuse me, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great sea monster, so Jonah, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Forgive me for that quotation. Go back and read it. I'll do better than I did in my quotation. But my point was, is we talked about that. We talked about how the resurrection is the ultimate sign. The resurrection is the ultimate sign. And we talked about people who had been hostile to Christianity. Who ended up being converted to Christianity because of the resurrection. Now some of you will remember that. And I think it's powerful to read those books. Of people who were lawyers. People who were great thinkers. Who've been converted by the resurrection of Jesus. But let me show you. The first example of that. The first book that could have been written like that. Why did Jesus' mother and brothers come to speak to him anyway? We're given insight into that in the Gospel of Mark. And let me encourage you to turn there to Mark 3. Mark 3. In Mark 3, 31 through 35 is almost word for word the same as Matthew 12, verses 46 through 50. But in Mark 3, verses 20 and 21, this is a verse that is unique to the Gospel of Mark. Now there are only about 31 verses that are in Mark that are not duplicated in Matthew or Luke. And these are two of them. Mark 3, 20 and 21. He came again and the crowds gathered again to such an extent that they could not even eat a meal. When his own people heard of this, they went out to take custody of him 
For they were saying, he has lost his senses. His own people. Was this his mother and brothers? It's not the same word. But again, reading contextually in Mark, I think that makes sense. So his mother and brothers here, that Jesus and his disciples don't even have time to eat. And so they go to take custody of him. Now that word translated, take custody, in the New American Standard, can be used in a positive way in the Gospel of Mark. For example, in Mark 5.21, Mark 5.41, excuse me, when Jesus took the hand of Jairus' daughter, it's the same word. Same word. But I'll tell you somewhere else this word's used. It's used in Mark 6.17 to talk about the arrest of John the Baptist. It's used in Mark 14, verse 44 by Judas. When he says, whomever I kiss is the one, seize me. A matter of fact, it's used four times in Mark 14 of Jesus' arrest or them plotting his arrest. And it's used another time for them seizing that young disciple who runs away and leaves his garment behind. What I'm trying to say... His family may have come for hostile purposes. Now, 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 Mary, who had to know the virgin birth, Mary is pondering these things in her heart in Luke 2 verse 19 and Luke 2 51, but she doesn't understand it all. And Jesus said, woman, my time has not yet come in John 2 and verse 4. But his brothers do not understand at all. His brothers don't understand it all. And in John 7, verses 1 through 5, they get into a disagreement with Jesus because Jesus will not go up publicly to the Feast of Tabernacles. And we are told this in John 7, verse 5, not even his brothers were believing in him. Not even his brothers were believing. His brothers don't believe. His brothers come to take custody of him. And I suppose that situation remains until the cross. I believe that. Because this is where John commits the care of Mary. Jesus commits the care of Mary to John. He commits the care of his mother to the apostle John. At the cross, his brothers apparently still do not believe. They still do not believe. But look at the amazing note in Acts 1, verses 13 and 14. As the Bible is simply naming those who are devoted to prayer... These 120 disciples, it mentions the apostles' name. And it says that there was Mary, the mother of Jesus, with him. With his brothers. His brothers weren't believers. 
brothers get into an argument. Oh, no one wants to be known publicly and, and act so secretly like you're doing. His brothers want to take custody of him. They think he's lost his mind. His brothers believe. His brothers believe. If they were to pass away, in a few days, it was claimed they had been raised from the dead. I think I could tell pretty quickly whether it was them or not. I think I could. I think you could. All you have to do is to tell some kind of an event that would only be limited to a few, that only a few in the world would have knowledge of. And you ask them about that story. And I think you could tell pretty quickly whether this person was your brother or sister who'd been raised. Don't you think that the brothers of Jesus were smart enough to realize that also. In 1 Corinthians 15 verse 7, when the Bible is talking about the resurrection appearances of Jesus, it mentions he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And throughout the New Testament, that James is James the brother of Jesus. I take it, who is called an apostle in Galatians 1 verse 19, though not of the original 12. But in Acts 12 and verse 17, after James the apostle has died, this James was one that Peter said, you go and tell him what has happened to me. And he is the writer, I believe, of the book of James. And Jude, the writer of the book of Jude, is the brother of Jesus. These unbelievers became believers because of the resurrection. They were convinced of the sign of Jonah. Jesus' physical family has become his spiritual family too. But the offer is open to everyone. Whoever will do the will of my father is my brother and sister and mother. Whoever will do that. Are you willing to submit to his will? Are you willing to walk in his way? Are you willing to follow his path? Turning from your sinful ways is, is what we speak of as repentance. You're turning from His way, your way, to His way. You're turning from your path to His path. Are you willing to do that? To be baptized in Christ for remission of sins and to start your journey of doing the will of the Father. To be His family, you're invited as we stand and sing.